be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Ah! Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Stand Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello, people. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo. This week we are talking about the new Netflix film The Guilty, which is streaming now, the remake of the Danish film which we covered of the same name, which we covered in brief a few years ago, which premiered at the Sydney Film Festival, which we'll also be talking about in a little more detail because tomorrow morning the Sydney Film Festival program will be launched. Uh, it'll be going both in person from the 3rd of November through to the 14th, and then I think from the 12th to the 21st online in a new development. But before we get into Sydney Film Festival and The Guilty, we want to talk about news of the week. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is screening online from October 1st through 31st. Um, right now, as in after Film Fight Club, but also at the exact this moment, Made in the West Film Festival um, for Western Sydney filmmakers are having an online networking event. So you can tune into that. And uh, Flickr Fest entries are open, so you can get your flicks into there. And yeah, let's talk all things guilty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is an Anton Fuqua film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and pretty much only Jake Gyllenhaal. As yeah. before, it is a remake of a Danish film from 2018. And when we say remake, we really, really mean remake. It's a close remake. And somehow they needed the sharp wit of Nick Pizzolatto of True Detective fame uh, to write the script that's mostly the same. Yeah, the yeah, I remember I don't the, think there was any script writing done. Uh, there, is, there are some changes. There were changes. There were changes. There were changes. A lot of them were performative rather than script based. Yeah. But I, I remember at the end it says script by X based on the script by X, which I think was more than fair. But for those who haven't seen the Danish film, doesn't really give you an idea of just how much this is both in setting and script. Uh, so I say setting, I mean simply the setting of the emergency call center. We'll say what this film was about. Um, the original film is set in Denmark and like this one is about an emergency call center worker here played by Jake Gyllenhaal. We know that there's been some sort of scandal. He is a cop who's usually in a different field. But here he's working early in the morning. He's taking a lot of different calls. We see as a person with who can get a bit frustrated, has a bit of a temper. He takes a call from a woman. He's about to hang up because he thinks it's a, not a serious matter. Then he realizes something is going on. And he starts to um, speak to the woman because he's concerned that she may have been abducted. And then further um, goes outside of the realms of his typical responsibility to try to figure out what is going on and resolve this matter and bring everyone back to safety. So... Um, I think with any movie, you really just have to ask on a very basic level, why does it exist? I liked the Danish film. I thought the actor um, who was the front and center the whole time was great. I thought it was very good use of lighting to show the passage of time, something which is mimicked here a bit. But I don't think on a fundamental level that there is enough here distinct from the Danish film to merit it as a production of its own right. Yeah, I think that's I, true. I totally agree. Yeah. I would I would say um, when you said before that he has a bit of a temper, actually this guy's about to explode at every moment, which is one of the one of the changes from the the Danish film. In the Danish film, he also has a temper and and can snap, but he he seems calm and in control. Whereas um, there's basically steam coming out of Jake Gyllenhaal's ears for the entire movie, and he's he's also having asthma attacks with like high pitched squealing on the soundtrack. Everything's just abbed up from the original. It's and. I, I don't think feel like those changes were necessary. I feel like the um, the inherent tension of the concept is good enough. But one change I did like is the incorporation of the uh, Los Angeles fires, California fires near LA. Yes. Um, good use of 
something that's going to keep happening more and more and more part of recent history by you know by the trends it's not going to stop anytime soon um and integrating that into the narrative that was one of the things that i think did increase the tension but the additional level of um some of the things added like the uh details about this guy's family life i don't think were really necessary and are just coming to a point of you know too many things I get it in a sense of trying to put yourself in the head of a guy with all these things going on under a lot of, of stress, but I feel like the central narrative, as I said before, is strong enough. I, I think from a character perspective, they're trying to just dumb it down a bit. You know, it's like this has now become an American film for an American audience, so they need less subtext or less subtlety. So it's the fact that we need to show someone who's kind of on the edge, we need to make it really obvious. So yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, can you not uh, not be subtle about this and just play it up a bit, which also is something which I thought was expected for him to, to actually play it up rather than play it down, which I didn't appreciate too much. Right, well, I, I wonder if the addition of this this family thing is, one of, is another Hollywood touch like you're talking about in terms of making this guy more palatable to audiences, giving him, you know, something to warm to because he's an asshole, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I agree and disagree on a few fronts. I, look, I'll bring up the Danish actor's name in a moment, excuse me. He was very good. I think Gyllenhaal was actually better. We have to remember, look, Gyllenhaal's amazing. And we're talking about him being this very physical figure. Most of it is just him sitting at a desk, but he manages to convey frustration through muscle movement, through furrowed brow movement, through the use of his arms, through the use of him fidgeting in the chair. So he's very good in that respect. I agree that we don't really need to know that much about his backstory. He, he and the original figure in the Danish film were in particular figures just by virtue of the plot and the performances. I think importantly, one of the things both films do very well. Uh, both films do the exact same thing. And though I saw it repeated here, I liked it. So I'll commend the film for it. The We don't really know until a later stage just what is going on with this character's backstory. We know he has a very important event happening in his life tomorrow, the following day, which is very much in, in anticipation of. But uh, it's kind of you kind of get an idea throughout the course of the film. Okay, this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, what is happening here? And I liked the subtlety of that. This was brought for, along to this film as well. I think Jake Gyllenhaal knew how to lean into that. And I think that subtlety that we saw in that element of the story wasn't brought along with the elements we saw as regards his family life, which I think was a misgiving of the movie. I'm um, turning to the aspect of the California wildfires. I think that... I like the fact that there is a distinct setting here, but I don't think it actually really added anything to the film. I think the what we see, I, I agree with Chris that telling stories about the space, what is happening in California and in America, and is, is very important. We saw the great film with, I'm sorry, um, uh, Staten Island, King of Staten Island, uh, which talked about the dimension thereof. Um, the terrible Angela Jolie film we saw earlier in the year, even that went yeah. into a little more detail about how people react in different ways to this sort of circumstance. I think that, I, I, and I don't think it went into as much detail as I would have liked around the setting to actually really tell me anything about it. I just think it's here's a hook for the film is to hear something we're going to dive into. Importantly, what I loved about the Danish setting was that like a lot of great Danish films, it evokes the images of, and we, and it's relayed in the terrain and difficulty which the emergency workers experience, um, heavy snow, heavy winter, fog, and that has an eerie dramatic element to it. I appreciate that there's a heightened tension that comes from setting it within the California wildfires, but I think this moves the I think the original film was really good because it was a drama with thriller elements. 
there's a bit of a subtle switch here that this is actually a thrill with dramatic elements because in part because of the setting and i think it's just less interesting because i think the core of this narrative is a dramatic one where we are seeing as chris said a great dramatic narrative play out where we're just not sure quite what is happening where he's trying to both redeem himself but i'm um, trying to get to the bottom it's a detective story rather than and a drama rather than a thriller and i think that's where the original excelled and where because of the switch that this one faltered quite a bit do you think that the fires are just another one of these overheating it elements like the like the asthma puffer to create this into the like there's this big huge screen in the uh dispatch center with this big image of fires you know and people are talking about oh the fires you know it's i will say when i say it, it adds tension um i it, i don't think it was a major contributor but um the extra element of it's hard to get a car out there it's hard to identify the car this yeah. smoke this fire we're all busy Oh, the great scene where the cops are just like, oh, we can't turn off this too much work. We can't see. Is it a white car? We don't know. Yeah. This is when it actually works in the narrative. So there yeah, are there points nice where stuff. it is integrated and it is good. Yeah, there are some moments like that that I, I thought justified it. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like it's so that we can put the intense red of anger against, uh, you know, shooting onto everyone's faces from this huge screen. The music, God, is just so dramatic. Was it wasn't really much really present in the original. It wasn't yeah. needed here. That's it. It's just, that, that sums it up. But that's kind of part of the problem where I felt like I understand that they wanted to make it make the tension obvious because audiences might not understand subtlety and you're already playing up a lot of these elements. But the music was adding too much to it. It's like mm. you don't need the music to basically signpost everything. And this is a film where the music was signposting pretty much every move or every twist that was coming or, you know, Oh, you have to feel this way now. You have to feel this way now. Oh, this is now. Jill would have hated it. Hence, it is tense. Who would have hated it? Hall. I think he just oh. wanted it to be played. He wanted just a close-up shot of his performance. He's mm. so good in everything he ever does. He's you know, he, just, he just wanted it just to, to be him. God. Yeah, he's excellent here, as you said. In a world of chaos. Huh? A world under threat. You're kidding. What? To SCR 107.3. A place that will blow your mind. This must be the place. To SCR Radiothon. An age-old nemesis. Uh, no. October 11th to 24th. Only a chosen few can make the journey. Oh my God, no. Who hired this guy? Just in general, the way the film is made is more kind of antic. You know, it's it's more intense. It's like... Yeah. it's actually less intense but it's designed to be more intense yeah. that music um and faster cutting more angles you know of jake gyllenhaal's intense face whereas the danish film would rely up a lot upon held static yeah. shots time. Uh, jacob cedergren is the actor's name he has all these beautiful shots of him just like crunching his eyebrows looking really concerned and just showing and a very subtle way of just showing as he gets more and more just his eyes just get more and more directed, that it gets more and more tense as the film develops. Hall's mm. um, other more eclectic ways of showing this, to, to, in fairness. We're spending most of our time comparing this film to the original, but it's hard not to. When a remake is so similar to a good film we've seen, you know, it, we can't just give the objective, here's what we thought of the film, take without yeah. comparing it. You know, it no. invites comparison. It's yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Why are they just this, all these great Danish films? You can't just transpose settings. This is what we're concerned about with the Another Round remake and the Inevitable Writers of Justice remake. It probably will happen, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'd forgotten about another round. I would. I mean, I mean, that's something which definitely will have to be different. Was it? Is it Leo or is it Bradley Cooper? Leo. Leo. I can see that. Yeah, but I don't. I don't see how uh, you know that kind of thing with, especially the drinking culture, the Danish drinking culture element can be transposed directly without changing it significantly to an American writing. Maybe they will, but they they didn't rewrite this. Like, we, we, yes, I, I I know that. We know that a lot of the audience of this film will not either seek out or even have heard of or otherwise have watched the Danish film. So, um, yes, That's all films for. should be but but we're here to, to recommend the original. Like the original is a better film. It is yeah. more intrinsic to its setting. And what something I did I did appreciate about this this version. There's what was there's not a lot of great films or dramas or thrillers about emergency call center workers there was the terrible ter and I, I mean terrible Halle Berry film oh yeah that's what I was thinking about <laughs> um, but um one film that it's not an emergency call center but the taking of Pelham one two three takes place largely from a response room and deals yeah. with a figure in a similar circumstance than the Gyllenhaal character Clapper by Walter Matthau again another a lousy remake of that too but the original oh, by Fuqua was it Fuqua who um taking Pelham now was it Tony Scott it was Tony Scott, yes. Yeah, yeah. But I say lousy. I say in comparison. Again, like the remake is okay. The original is just so goddamn good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about this film is it is good. <laughs> like even this remake, I would still say is good. I don't think it's a bad film by any means. Uh, if you're completely allergic to subtitles and listen to Film Fight Club for some reason, um, then sure, watch it. It's a tense thriller. Um, the, the twists that have been transposed directly from the original um, are good um it, it's plausible it's it's an unlikely but plausible scenario and it it keeps you invested and Hall's intensity is enough to do that and i like the redemption narrative or at least the attempted redemption narrative i do too but i prefer again how that was handled in the original i feel like it, it's like this there's too much spoon feeding in this version on top of that there's a, some of the the major changes in with regard to how it ends still basically similar but the major changes without spoiling it were just a bridge too far in terms of believability for me yeah there's a few unnecessary hollywood addition. hollywood touches yeah there's a few that, and those are the darker elements of this and there are some very dark elements of this screenplay mm -hmm. again for the reasons are referred to work very well specifically within the danish context where a lot of the noir can lead into this with yeah. a lot of american cinema it becomes a little more sensationalist rather than um, eerily contemplative, which I think a, a lot of the noir cinema excels that this isn't a noir. Um, I think it's yeah. weaker for that. Mm -hmm. I like I liked the scenes where, and they were in the original too, where actually, I actually think they were, they were handled better in this, the scenes at the very beginning where it's just getting into the rhythm of a night in a call, in an emergency call center type of calls you get. It felt very real. It felt very lived. Yeah, it, it took its time. It took its time actually. But yeah. but from that sense, actually, think, ninety minutes. Hey, actually, tight actually, movie. Yeah. But actually, oh, from that movie. perspective, uh, it, it did take its time, but also it did not take its time. I think it, it, it was kind of tonally all over the place in terms of pacing, because you know you had that thing of like we're going to slow it down, you're going to get into a rhythm, and then amp up tension. But then, like Chris mentioned, uh, the the pacing style really changed with fast edits, like ramping up tension too much, instead of being the slow burn, which I was expecting. I thought, okay, cool, this film is going to take its time. I mean, I might not hate it as much as I thought I would, but then it just flips in terms of like- about losing him. Yeah, 
and that's not what the concept is so engrossing that if you knew the concept worked, mm-hmm. you would not worry about that. I think the film was worried too much about trying to appeal to a certain kind of audience. That's it. Obviously, they know the concept works, so we wouldn't be seeing this remake. But all the same, you know, they don't have faith that people will ride with it in the same way that they obviously did watching the original. Um, there's the belief, you are dumb. <laughs> you know, that's the, the overarching philosophy yeah. behind it. But yeah, talking about those scenes at the beginning, um, it, it's a great showplace, showpiece for um, Jake Gyllenhaal's smarmy asshole bit. Because he's, he's, he's very really, good at doing that. You really don't want this guy. Style. Yeah, you really don't want this guy answering your call <laughs> to 911. He's so unfit for the job. He's so kind of dismissive of people. And uh, yeah. I love, I I love the scene, like the great little bit of comic relief. Call back later, but I need help. No, no, no. You're not important enough. This isn't yeah. serious. Call back later. Good, good stuff. The scene um, where in, uh, in the financial district, where he calls, he calls someone from the manager just to calls him, is, okay. is is very good, very well. It was handled. funny. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's like the opening the opening thing where a guy calls him freaking out on drugs and he just kind of lectures him over the phone and once and you know won't send the ambulance without sending police. It's like man, this guy's a dick. <laughs> you know, he's he's not. Zero. Well, doesn't, well, he doesn't think he belongs there, and he's not. It's not traditionally he's. It's not his real. place. Yeah. So he's treating it all like, oh, I have to do this job. Uh, you know, better than you, this. Can't wait to be out of here. You people, what, what, yeah. what am I doing here? Exactly. Which, which, which is inter- which is interesting. To be fair, yeah. it's not until this one call that he really has a major, um, major police investigation emergency they have to deal with. But still, you know, he he's he's so dismissive and sarcastic. But you can buy it. It, it makes you think about the um, level of desensitization of uh, you know being in that where it all becomes a routine aspect of the job um, and uh, the lack of protocols this guy's following. There's a few um, aspects of this script for the new one um, that seem like post Black Lives Matter um, kind of questioning of the role of the police, like the, the little girl saying she doesn't trust the police, she doesn't trust them as protectors. Um, I feel like these were well integrated without being too heavy handed or preachy. Yeah, I, I do, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I also liked. I can't. I, I, I know I've said this before, but I loved how they used lighting. In it was the, the original film just took place over a few hours, but it felt like it took place over a day and night and a day, mm-hmm. because of the way we, we sat in certain rooms, uh, the reflection of the screen, and this was done really, really well here, mm-hmm. where you feel just um, things. While it's only ninety minutes. You feel that the frustration of him sitting there and time elapsing through him, hmm. um, and a lot of that is come down to the lighting production design. So yeah, yeah, um, it's a good set. Yeah, that is that is the guilty. Yeah, um, I go watch the original. I'm not sure if it's. I'm not sure where it's available. I, I think you can uh, you can rent it the usual places, but it's not on streaming at the moment. Yeah. Which is why you might want to watch if you want ease of access and. Want to watch it in English, I suppose. That's it. It's right on the front of Netflix. Yeah. But you know that the, the the original has a huge downside, which is that you can't put uh, have it on in the background while you're watching TikToks. That's that's true. <laughs> but what you can have on in the background watching TikToks, what you shouldn't have on in the background watching TikToks is what this isn't a real review. I only watched half of this because I couldn't handle it. Is the new Rob Lowe Netflix special, literally called Attack of the Hollywood Clichés. It's the worst. It's not even cliches. It's motifs. It's just 
Rob Lowe being super, super smarmy about recurring motifs in films, films that we love, like things like, oh, here's how they established there in every man. And here's how you do uh, this sort of show. And all the films, all films, all these are, are all good films, which have efficient ways of setting up character and set uh, with inversions on a theme. This is a good thing. And they're being ironic. It's a terrible listicle type thing, it's like, which somehow has gotten off so high on Netflix. It's it's so bad. It's so guess, bad. Please don't watch it. I guess at Rob Lowe crossed with CinemaSins. Is it a CinemaSins-esque thing? Like pointing out things that aren't really a problem and uh, getting to be smarmy about it? A little bit. Uh, CinemaSins, yeah. Uh, there's elements. I think CinemaSins has, has evolved to be much worse. There were yeah. a time when CinemaSins, the videos were five minutes and they were great. When it was just, okay, here's the things, times where they've actually just been lazy. But now it's just weird point scoring of stuff you actually is actually enjoyable. And yeah. this felt very similar to that, but right. with a huge budget. But also, like, wasn't that his character from The West Wing, essentially? No, that was not Sam Seaborn. What are you talking about? No. Yeah, it was basically that, being a smarmy asshole. Come on. Uh, Okay, there were individual episodes. I'll get to talk about The West Wing. There were individual early, early episodes, like Galileo 5, where he's just an absolute tool to someone. He's really mean to the guy at NASA, where yeah. he said, you can't, you, you can't, you, you can spell that. Okay, if we get, if you're a writer, then we should send it to anyone who can spell. Um, there was a terrible scene in like the second, first or second episode where he harangues uh, a school teacher who comes to the West Wing, who turns out to be Leo's daughter. That, um, there's individual scenes where Sam sexually harasses women, including Ainsley Hayes, um, something the West Wing kind of just glossed over. So yes, there were bits where he was a total tool, but um, by and large, he was at least portrayed as someone who was uh, very endearing and enduring and well-meaning and did a lot of good things to outweigh some of the bad things that he did. I'm not excusing in particular. Uh, the West Wing, as good as it was, had a, quite a sexist streak for a lot of it. And oh, yeah. the stuff that I mean, they... But- uh, and and that, there's one basic, particular scene in season three where Rob Lowe's character just just mistreats Ainsley Hayes, and it's absolutely appalling. And God, yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. Yeah, but also, but also that's soaking shtick. He he thinks he sets up these uh, hyper intelligent, smarmy male characters, uh, and uh, forgives them for being smart. And just because they're smart, we are supposed to overlook some of their Sex with streaks, yes. Uh, there's elements of this in the newsroom. I wouldn't argue it's in any of these other films or works. I haven't seen Studio 60. Apparently, it was terrible. Um, but as yeah, for A Few Good Men and, Ch- and Charlie Wilson's War, from memory, there really wasn't that. It really wasn't present. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a little foray into Rob Lowe and uh, Rob Lowe's film history, intelligence history. But, yeah, uh, we'll go watch the Danish film, The Guilty, rather than this terrible... Uh, I think it's actually Charlie Booker, God. Um, it's a anyhow. shame because is it Charlie Brooker who did this Hollywood cliche thing? I'm, I'm gonna he, confirm that. His um 2020 rap thing I found. Sorry, uh, that's sorry, I'm I'm getting my wires crossed. I think that's what Charlie Brooker did. I don't know who did Attack of the Hollywood Cliches. I will find out. I hope not. Um I it's a shame because a Hollywood cliches um special that's actually good sounds fun. You know, that does sound enjoyable. That could easily be done well. It could, but yeah. it's 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 cinema sins and a actual production budget very sad right okay which is why i think we need the sydney film festival to come and save us all from the horrors of uh well cinema, well you, it's, it's an interesting time right like we a few months ago i said november there's no way sydney film festival will go ahead then 
but regular cinema screenings are beginning again on Monday. Yeah, um, Monday. Yeah. You know, um, Annette's playing at the Orpheum and at Dundee Newtown, I think. I'm not sure about Dundee, yeah. but it's also playing. Uh, Haiti and Haiti and uh, Hayden Orpheum. Hayden Orpheum, yeah, they're playing Annette. Cool. That's a we can, film. We can just see a movie in. Actually. That's the thing. But we were discussing before this about um, whether or not we would feel safe going back out. But to use the, the big cliche, um, I it, it's the you know if not now when right yeah like uh, I I kind of, when to feel like the pandemic's going to be with us for a while. We're ent entering into warmer weather at a period where everyone's vaccinated who's going to be allowed into the cinema. Um, this is probably the best time to actually go out that we're going to get. It's probably going to be <laughs> bad come June next year. Maybe not, but that, that's just a suspicion I have. People I, I, going out. Yeah, I'm glad that um, Sydney Film Festival is happening in the period where the vaccine mandate is in, as long as Perite doesn't remove that. Um, yeah, the, the, there is a level, even though there's... Yeah, we were recording this on Tuesday, so there may be a new premiere by Wednesday, just FYI, we feel we have to give this disclosure now in New South Wales. Right. I feel like it's about as safe as it's going to get while there's the vaccine mandate. Um, after that, it's a free-for-all, right? So the, qu the question we all have to ask and everyone will have a different level of comfort is, you know, when? When is the right time to resume normal activities? The answer can for you can be never, but... I think Monday definitely Monday. is too soon for me. Uh, but, I mean, especially because I think if it was a phased return, I would still consider it. But the fact that everything's going to be open pretty much in one go and it's not just you know one things are opening and then things are opening up slowly and steadily it's just everything's open 75 percent everything's open if you're if you're vaccinated that's, at once that's, yeah that's and with 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 restrictions yeah yeah it's still it's not um cinemas for example is still going to be i think like 25 percent capacity or something like that 75 35 75 i think but it was 75 75 percent yeah. capacity yeah yeah that's that's oh, what okay. i'm concerned about yeah. okay I, I flipped that that equation yeah yeah a lot, a lot of be happy we're going to see annette and a few festivals happening over the course of the next little while do you uh, think you'll go to sff will i go i'll Teams? i'll go to some I, I i want you know what i'll wait to see the program <laughs> yeah that's a good answer yeah but honestly, so, I, I know that sounds harsh, but yeah, I'll, I'm going to wait to see the program. Yeah, I want to see what's in the program so I can sort of... I will say that, that, that that's unfair. I will go see some things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... The, the um, imperative to book with a 75% capacity and the pent-up demand for SFF is the, the sad thing because I want to go, you know. I've, uh, I've really missed it. I want to support them. But I also want to keep an eye on the numbers. I don't want to be booked into a bunch of sessions and then see that we have it, that the Freedom Day has resulted in a massive surge and there's COVID everywhere. Yeah, you know? and so we have to remember that it's an unusual time at the Sydney Film Festival too, because there's going to be a lot of major films that have been awaiting release in Australia and are just going to drop around the same time, and people are going to be seeing those. Bond. So, as but one example. Yeah, when so, did yeah, it come out? Uh, November. Eleventh of November. Eleventh. Yeah. yeah. So in the middle and. If you think for a second that I'm going to the Sydney Film Festival instead of going to see James Bond at opening day, you are out of your minds. You so I'm going to be I'm going to be there. And I think what if what if Bond is playing at Sydney Film Festival? Just find a time on that day where there's no movie you want to see, assuming that you're there seeing movies, and just catch Bond. Yeah, see it at the 
George, is the event George Street Cinema still open? I don't know. They are still open, yeah. Oh, it, it's just it's not just that I'll be seeing it on a big screen. I'll be seeing it like at least twice in the space of like two or three days. Oh so God. um sorry it's for not a that good. It's no, not going to be that good. I, I will see. I'm I am looking forward to Sydney Film Festival. I hope things stay on the trajectory that um is hoped. And That's it. Just, it. The, the numbers are promising right now. The fact that it, it's been dropping so significantly at the moment is is very um, well-timed with this reopening. Yeah. So what Danish film are we going to see next, Remade? Um, geez. Yeah, I, I do feel like Writers of Justice has potential for it. But I, I also wonder if that film is just too damn Danish. And I feel like the, the American version... Well, what's the King of Belgium? No, no, no. They're, get, they're going to go the big... They're going to think... And I, I, believe me, I'm not saying this is endearingly. I hate the show. They're going to think, oh, my God, it's like the guys from the Big Bang Theory. It's going to be Big Bang oh, Theory yeah. meets action. You're totally right. The nerd humour. Yeah. That's but what it's yeah. going to be. It's not going to have the interesting, dark, weird edges that the original had. No way. No. Was the King of Belgium Belgian or actually Danish? Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, no. Uh, okay. I don't know. Right. Well, well, we will review the remake of whatever good Danish film is made. Well, here's a question. Do we want to cover Annette next week? It's out on digital, I think, now, and it's going okay. to be out on cinemas on Monday. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Next I week. I can see it. I can see it on digital, and and you yeah. guys can see it in cinemas if that's how it is. Yeah. 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 I would like. I would yeah. like to go back to a cinema. Well, next week, Sydney Film Festival complete program coverage. And then that. Yeah. And then that. Wow, yeah. that's a big week. That's a big one. But very yeah. different from. Um, yeah. It's. Yeah. I'm. I'm keen. Yeah. I'm keen. Stay very, safe, yes. everyone. Yes. Yeah. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Stay safe, and see you at the movies. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye.